Welcome to the Lipstick Files. I'm Sarah Holsom, and joining me today is a new guest, once <laughs> for the first time in like forever, my friend Katie. Hi, everyone. <laughs> is this weird? We're in my closet. It's a little strange. <laughs> You're hanging by, you're sitting by my rain jacket. Yeah, I'm checking out what I'm going to wear, maybe, what I could borrow, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) I think people think that I'm joking when I say that we're in my closet, but we really are. No, uh, yeah, everyone, we are, I'm right next to the shoes. (laughs) Cozy, cozy environment in here. Do you know the show Get Organized on Netflix at all? Um, no, I don't. It's not the one where the lady tells you to be... Happy and let it go. That's the other one, right? Where she, Happy and let it go. You know, do you, do you love your item or not love your item? No. What was she? I don't know. What, so I don't know. Get organized. Okay. Get organized is new. It's on Netflix. And it's these two girls who do this show called Home Edit. They have an Instagram following of like millions of followers, the Home Edit. And basically what they do is they organize your closet, they organize your bathroom, whatever you need. And they've gotten so big that they go to like celebrities' houses. So on this show, they go to Reese Witherspoon's house and they completely like redo the closet and stuff. But one tip that I got from the show, because as soon as you watch it, you're like, ooh, like I want to get in the kitchen and start doing my silverware, exactly, you know? Exactly. But one of the tips was just something so stupid as getting the same colored hanger. Yeah, I have two different colored hangers. All wood and then the some cream ones. But um Oh, that's some, pretty good. Yeah, that I mean it. It helps me a little bit, but I have too much stuff. It's all jammed in. Oh, yeah. I have to follow the other show maybe and learn to love and let go, I suppose, so it doesn't look <laughs> like that. Get rid of all this crap. That's hard yeah. to do, dreaming to fit into it again or something. Isn't that hard? It is hard. Even if you know, you know, it's never going to fit again, it's just hard to just say, nope, I'm never going to fit into that again. I just maybe there's just it. something about the fact that you, like, are giving up if the idea of even, like, I'm never fitting in this again. Yeah, There's maybe no that's it. I don't know. Or, like, you'll never find it again. Even if it's a $5 dress from Old Navy, which I have one of those <laughs> that my husband wants me to get rid of, but I'm keeping it. I, I'm keeping it, even with the holes in the back end. Oh, it has a hole? It does have holes. But I'm everyone like, compliments me it? on it. And I oh. say, oh, yeah, I don't know. I've had this for about 20 years, and why would I stop wearing it then? They like it. <laughs> But there's holes in the butt. There is actually holes in the butt. I don't think it's that visible, but if you look, they're there. It happens. I've had pants, like jeans that I've worn that have had hair color stains on them from doing hair. And it's just, it's hard to, especially if you feel good in them, you're like, yeah, I'm not getting rid of this. Yeah, especially jeans. Yeah. I, You know, once you feel comfortable, I don't like jeans in general. So if there's a comfortable pair, you definitely don't want to get rid of them. I like high-waisted jeans. Yes. Well, I, me too. I mean, Covers they tuck up everything the, in. Yes. You can wear high-waisted <laughs> underwear when you wear high-waisted jeans to make yourself feel more comfortable. So funny story for the listeners, like how you and I met. We met on Facebook because you live here in Naples, but you are originally from Racine, Wisconsin. Yes, I am. How crazy is that? I know. It's crazy. There's a lot of people here from just southeast Wisconsin, mm-hmm. tons from the Midwest, but the amount of people I meet from Wisconsin, I, I just grasp onto them, just kind of feel them out to get a little bit of home here in Naples. Yeah. And it is it is nice to have people that understand you and they have the same ideas as you and just makes you feel better. Although I do love living here. Yeah, it is nice. That's for sure. So you and I went out to this witches thing the other night and <laughs> we got to dress up as witches and we went out and there was a lot of characters. There, I, was characters. there were a lot of characters there. I can't believe the crowd that we drew. I mean, obviously, I knew people were going to pay attention to us, but the children that were out were amazed by us. They wanted to know if we were really witches oh and if we, what we were doing. Because there was probably like 20 of us, don't you yeah, think? Oh, yeah, minimum 20. Yes, yeah, because the, some of the husbands were with. So there's about 20 of us. It was definitely a first time for me, that's yeah. for sure. And you were telling me about murder-suicides because there's been some things going on. Yeah, I, there was one recently that just came out, you know, that there was a husband and a wife that were found and you have to obviously wait for the information to was come out. Was that in Naples? Yeah, it was. Wow. I can't specifically remember crazy. where, but crazy. I just, I've heard about more and more here um, of those types of situations. And it's kind of like, wow, I wonder what makes it here more than where I'm from. Cause I don't really remember hearing about that back in Wisconsin in my hometown. I mean, yeah. obviously you hear about it, but just happening where you live, it is weird seems like a more happens. common thing here. Mm-hmm. Although we have all the serial killers. <gasps> we do. A lot of them. Yes. A lot of creepiness there. 
Not here in Naples. Creepiness in Wisconsin. Yes, definitely. Actually, my true crime story for today takes place in Hartford. Okay. So that was completely random when I started doing the story. I didn't know it took place there. Did you you find them in Wisconsin a lot? Do you feel? I don't know. It's like it's like when you have a car and then you see it on the road all the time, and you're oh, like, yeah. oh, everybody has one. I feel like that's what happens. Okay, you know, you're yep. just more in tune to like oh, another one in Wisconsin. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you yeah you pay more attention. Hits closer to home, I guess. You know, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, another. Yeah. So all right, well, let's get into some celebrity news because I know people are really wanting to hear all the juicy gossip now. Do you know who Rose McGowan is? I I do by name just because I read I read a little bit on uh, the internet recently about a little spat that's been going Did on. Did you recognize her at all? Do you know she used to date Marilyn Manson? No, I did not know oh, that. Yeah. No. That's how I that's oh, okay. like how I know her. Okay. I just remember her from back in the day because I'm always like, who could date that guy? Well, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, Rose McGowan is involved in social media drama again. A video was released of the former Charmed actress saying that the Charmed reboot sucks and Sarah Jeffrey, there's an actress in the new reboot version, she's basically calling her out on Twitter and saying that Rose is pathetic and she can just, like, she should try to find happiness elsewhere and not put down women of color because the new reboot, the three girls that are in it are women of color. So Rose McGowan said that bringing up women of color is a stretch and that she didn't even know who this girl was. The 47-year-old ended her post by saying this, which I think is so condescending. She goes, Best, Rose McGowan, New York Times bestselling author of Brave, creator of Planet Nine, cultural resetter, Time Magazine's Persons of the Year, and too many other things to list. Oh, jeez. It's like... Nobody cares about you. No, You're listing they all don't. your achievements, you well, weirdo. You know. She's weird. She's been in a lot of drama recently. She just seems like she's f- just well, full of a lot of some drama. Some people just love drama, you know, and maybe a little more full of herself with her comment there, bringing yeah. it around. I guess there's this reboot show. I didn't even know they had it. I didn't either, but I mean, why, why not? I mean, yeah. it's relevant now, you know, why not? Well, change? she was kind of making fun of reboot versions of shows in, in general, general. Okay. Too. And I was kind of like, I don't know. Well, I, you know. People like it. Who cares? Now you're going to tick off more people if you start blaming it on, all, you know, talking yeah. about all different reboots. But I don't know. Who cares? Yeah. I, the things that happened on Charm back then are not relevant to the people today watching it. So right. It's been know. enough time. The Bachelorettes Ashley Hebert and J.P. Rosenbaum are getting divorced after eight years of marriage. The two got engaged on season seven of the show and share two kids together. I don't know why I'm surprised, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. But it's always tough. I mean, it's not nice to see that there's kids involved in it and everything. Yeah. And that's a that's a long marriage considering some celebrity marriages that we know about. So Yeah, that's true. I mean, Eight honestly, years. pretty impressive. I actually thought that they were married longer than Jason and I. It seems so long ago, but I guess Jason and I've been together for or been married for almost 10 years. Yeah, so not. I mean, it, a yeah. lot can happen in eight years. And when yeah, you meet true. someone on a show, I mean, how well do you really get to know them? Maybe after eight years, they now they're the same realizing. They, they said that they really did try to like make everything. Well, I mean, how many marriages start failing around that time too? Well, they you do. Know? You know, bliss in the beginning, and then you have to start to deal with life. And yeah. when you get kids involved, sometimes you Just don't see eye to eye. You know real. it. We have kids. Yeah. Well, I, I hope it all ends well. I mean, we you had know. people over last night. You were here, and we had uh, a Packer party. And oh my god, it was so funny because I was so pissed at Jason later on. Because you know how it is when you host, and so you're working. I mean, you yeah. really are most well, of the time, yeah, right? Most and of the time, a, it's a fun time. But I had finally gotten down to the point where, like, I was like, okay, I can sit down and relax. And I sat down and I saw Jason, and I'm like, all right, Jason. I heard the kids screaming. I'm like, it's your turn now. And he's like, huh? I'm just getting food to eat. What? <laughs> and he was eating like after the game was over. Oh, I'm like, are you kidding me? I know. I love hosting too, but it always seems like a job. You know, you were just at my kid's birthday party and mm-hmm. I just wanted to be part of it. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you're just worried to make sure that everyone's yeah. happy. And, and finally you realize you never ate anything. Four right. hours passed. Mm-hmm. And when you really feel like you're just done, then you're like, really? <laughs> now we have to go through this? I hear you. I mean, it's all worth it, but... It is. It, it's always... <laughs> too but bad we the lost. Packers didn't pull that win. I know. <laughs> That's terrible. Because we'll never host again. Nope. You guys are cut off. We're going to have to change it up. 
This I'm really excited about. Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, and Jennifer Lawrence are all starring in a Netflix movie called Don't Look Up. It's directed, written, and produced by Anna McKay, who was a writer for SNL and wrote tons of movies with Will Ferrell, which this just seems so weird to me that this guy did Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, Anchorman, The Big Short, and Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be in the, one of his well, movies? First off, those are some great movies. I love Step Brothers. I, <laughs> I just think it's great. But you know what? I did read a little bit about this, and I think this is Leonardo DiCaprio's first appearance in like a Netflix original. Yes. So maybe since, I don't know if you've noticed, but everything's kind of trending this right. direction, you right. got to get your foot in the door. And yeah. Hollywood... I, they're not coming out. The movies aren't coming to the big screens. I mean, Regal exactly just shut down true. again here because uh, nothing's coming. So that's horrible. And talk about an amazing cast. That is that is really... amazing. It's awesome. I'm excited about that. I can't believe that. I mean, what a world if we don't have like movie theaters. Oh, I know. I oh, I can't even imagine it. I can't imagine not going to the theater ever again. I mean, now they're going back to drive-ins. Think you about say it. Theater. Theater. You're fancy. <laughs> Where did you pick theater I up don't from? Know. <laughs> like, I don't think theater's a Wisconsin thing. I think you picked this I up in Naples. So. I must have gone to the theater here. <laughs> but, yeah, but you're right, though. Leonardo DiCaprio has not done any movies for a streaming service. Yeah. So they're all kind of probably like, you know what? What the hell? Like, we're not going to be able to, like, this is the way to go because I wonder how they make money. Well, advertisement. I'm I assuming guess. Netflix. I mean, I don't know numbers. Every time yeah. my husband always asks me, "How much do you think so and so makes?" I am off by a long shot. <laughs> You're so like, I am not three hundred thousand. Yeah, it was fifty dollars, like and he's like ninety eight billion. So, but I mean, think about how much money they have. Netflix has paid for some of these big comedians to come to their. Right. They make their. I don't know how they get it, but they certainly have enough cash flow. Well, you would flow. think like advertisers. Sure. But you don't see commercials. You don't see commercials. But I don't know. I'm assuming they, they're making it. They're That's doing it. I don't know, whatever it is, they're doing it and they're doing it just fine. And so is, then you have everything. You have Disney, Hulu, Apple. So clearly mm-hmm. they've got it figured out. Did you watch um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I did. Oh, okay. That scene with Leonardo DiCaprio where he's in the trailer freaking out about drinking. Oh, yeah. I don't, Jason and I have watched that at least like 10 times, that scene, because we think it's so funny. And he's just, there's something about him, like his acting to me is just incredible oh i think so i actually i'm looking forward to actually seeing him in a in a comedy yeah i think i think you'll be pleasantly surprised okay now there is more drama about dominic west and wife Catherine fitzgerald i don't know if you heard about this at all but dominic west is that actor from the affair he was in the wire well last week it came out that he was supposedly having an affair with a young actress that he is shooting with in Italy. So there was all these pictures of them like riding around the city and him kissing her and caressing her. And then there was rumors that maybe they were just filming and that it wasn't actually them canoodling. Well, then, so awkward, the day after all this came out, he and his wife, Catherine Fitzgerald, came outside of their house in England and they had a super awkward press conference where they came out. She had her hand in her pocket. She had a crinkled up piece of tissue like she'd been crying. And she just stood there and they like kissed for the cameras. And then he said something along the lines of, we're still very much together and we're in love. And then they handed a note to one of the people there, you know, one of the someone from the press. They went inside and then the note said, it's a handwritten note saying the same thing. Oh, We're very much still together. Here's what's even crazier, too. Not only was that weird, but Lily, the young girl that he's having it. I mean, she's not a young girl, but she, do you know who she is? She I do. Cinderella. Yeah. She was a Cinderella. Oh, she's so beautiful. I can't. Oh. But anyways, she was supposed to be on the Today Show and she canceled her appearance because mm. of all this drama. And now she's actually canceled more appearances. Well, I mean... You never know in Hollywood, obviously that makes someone look suspicious, but there's also someone telling her, don't do this because of whatever purpose. I did see That's the pictures. True. What'd you think? I She didn't look real, I don't know what the movie's about, but she looked a little tore up in the pictures. It was the back of her hair. <laughs> so unless uh, it's That's a tore up thinking. movie, um, I would say they were on a, a patio of a hotel somewhere, but 
gosh, if it's nothing, I hate for the family to even go through this. Right. I did read a bit about but this. But here's and the thing. He... kids, too. Four kids. Oh, what's the youngest? Do you have any idea? Oh, I don't know. I think, like, mm, 13, 10, 7, and well, 8. Well, here's the other thing, too. They, he didn't deny it. He didn't say there's no, you know, truth to the story, like, okay, or well, anything. Yeah, All yes. he simply said was something along the lines of, we are very much still together and love each other. Something like that. So, yeah, there was no denial there at all, I guess. I mean... Maybe he told her everything, and they decided that's that that's what happened. Like that, we're still gonna make. Yeah, it work. we're still gonna make this work. Wow, oh. that's so sad. That is though, and now and the thing is, is now like I said, you have these four kids and this Aww. this wife who are gonna read about this. I oh, mean, the tabloids yeah. there are just mm-hmm. terrible, and they're gonna beat them up, and they're gonna get followed. Well, they're along probably and, gonna yeah try to take yeah, pictures of them. pictures of everything. Oh, so so if this doesn't destroy their marriage, it's just the constant media that's gonna do it. Then right. I mean, I hope not, but and. He, so I don't know if you ever watched The Affair, but I used to watch it. Okay, I did not, but. It was sort of a disturbing show. Okay. It was disturbing on a few different levels, but it's definitely dark, and he is having an affair with this woman. So he's the main character? He's the main character. He has an affair, and it starts to come unraveled. You know, there's kids involved, the wife finds out, that kind of thing, and it's about the years after that and everything. And it's just like, like Jason and I watched this, watched it years ago, and we were like, man, if you're ever thinking about having an affair, just watch the <laughs> show because you're going to be like, it is not worth this it. This is not worth no. it. The, the aftermath is far, far worse mm-hmm. than you can imagine, I'm But he sure. was doing a ton of interviews about his character and stuff. Sure. And so now those interviews are coming back to haunt him. Because oh, I bet he you they like, are. He'd be like, well, you know... Women should just stick by their man's side if, you know, like, it's coming back to haunt it him It is now. coming back to haunt him now. That's crazy how that came comes around. I... <laughs> well, who knows if this is the first time, but I just feel so bad for his wife because, you know, she wants to probably keep the family together. And, well, yeah. And because... that girl is so pretty. It would be hard not to fall well, for her. I know. Oh, my God. She plays his daughter oh. in the series. Like, how disturbing that's is crazy. that? Yeah, that's weird. You're right. It's just, here's this beautiful woman off into a romantic land, and you've been there, and and we're all humans, I mean, right? But still, now you have this wife and children, like we said. You're just going to have this whole entire thing unravel right before their eyes with no control. But Okay, so in true crime news, television show Home Improvement's Zachary Ty Bryan has been arrested after strangling his 27-year-old girlfriend. The actor played Adam Taylor in the series from 1991 to 1999 and is being charged with assault in the fourth degree. He looked rough, too. Oh, I know. I saw them. And you know, when when I read this story, I saw Home Improvement, and I immediately thought JTT, and I'm like, no. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, because, you know, we all loved him. Our dream guy. Our yeah. dream man all over my wall. Um, but no, he looked, he looked kind of crazy. He looked yeah. tore up. He reminded me of mugshots. Remember when Macaulay Culkin would get in trouble and he kind of, you're like, oh gosh, that's what it was like. Strangled her. Strangled. Man. That's intense. That's a personal. That is crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out more information, but probably alcohol or drugs was involved. I mean, I maybe would, not, I mean, but probably. I mean, if you saw him in the picture, you, he looks he like looks he's been like a little it. rough. I, but so. I always feel like everyone's mugshot looks rough. Well, yeah, though. you're not looking beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you've probably been through the ringer, but he just didn't look well taken care of, that's for sure. He yeah. wasn't working out and taking his vitamins, I can tell you. <laughs> uh, then again, we haven't seen him since he was like 17. Yes, that's right. <laughs> he, he wasn't the cutest one on the show to begin with, so... <laughs> He was the oldest, right? He was the oldest, yeah. but he's not older. JTT was actually older oh, than him. Little facts for the day. Him. But yeah. yes. Where is JTT? I don't know. Dang it. Mm. Yeah, he was the best. He His was. bowl cut. Oh, man. I know. <laughs> I think of all the posters on my wall. <laughs> I don't. I wasn't a big poster person. No. Who else did you have? Oh, gosh. Um. Oh, uh I knew this. I mean, it was at the time where, like, uh, you know, obviously, Boys to Men was pretty popular. And mm-hmm. there was that one character. He uh, he played in Angels in the Outfield. Somebody's going to know who I'm talking about. Um, and then, Oh, 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 Boy Meets World. Who's not, not, the, not Corey, but the other one on Boy Meets World. The, you know, Sean. I don't know who his... Oh, of yes, Of course, he yes, was on yes. there, you know. That was that time right there when, you know, 
those were the actors that were so... Sean had some good hair. He did. Yeah. And so did this other... Gosh, he's got three names. It's a three name... Oh, I, um... What is it? They well, all had that same ha- kind of hairstyle. Yeah, they sure did. And, yeah, and that's when, you know, like, Boys to Men was popular. So, mm-hmm. of course, they that was my first concert I ever saw. But I'd get all those bop magazines and I'd have... Oh, yeah. I'd take all the posters out and my sister and I shared a room and we had the tape going across the center <laughs> and her stuff was on one side and mine was on the other and my yeah, wall was best. covered... My kids did that to the wall these days. They'd be dead. Did you? Have, <laughs> did you have any? Uh, did you have like your own phone or anything? Like your own? We didn't have our own phone in, in our bedroom, room? but we since we lived in Wisconsin, we had a finished basement and we had a phone down there. And my brothers Ooh. were older, so they would call upstairs when me and my sister were up there when we were like ten. Would they prank? Like, and no, they wouldn't. They call us and they'd be like, "Make us some macaroni and cheese, <laughs> or we're gonna come beat you up." And that's a true. I mean, that's what they would do. So we'd be like, "Oh no." <laughs> Make macaroni and cheese, you know, or bring us something to drink. And they call from the basement, and then we'd do it that for is them. So funny. They were older and bigger. Would they? Do they live down there? Or were they were just no. Out? That was just like our hangout, you yeah. know. Our mom put us down there because God, those were the days. They were, you know. There I, are no basements here. No, but you stink. know they're kind of creepy though. You got the sump pump. And yes. Kind of dewy. I had a basement once that wasn't finished, and oh. it was small, and it had boulders everywhere, and like there was always mice in there and stuff, and it was like the creepiest place. I, I would know. never want to go. Go to estate sales in Wisconsin just to see what some of those basements you oh they were so you don't even know how they stood up let alone while <laughs> yeah. you're walking and then they'd have laundry down there and you'd be like someone comes down here to do laundry yeah oh it's crazy but that's creepy I bet you got some good basement stories if you really looked into them for crime cellars and stuff oh there. yeah you could Ooh. just hide people oh Missing wife and mother, Stephanie Hollingsworth, is believed to have been found dead. Three weeks after last being seen, a body has been found in the trunk of the 50-year-old Florida woman, Chevy Tahoe, which was located by a drone. It was completely submerged in water. I don't know what, what if this is just like a waterway or what, but... So, wow. in Florida, it could be anything, you know. You've mm-hmm. got the canals and everything. I, if, I think we're talking about the same story here. Mm-hmm. My husband had mentioned this to me a couple days ago um it sounds like maybe she was a bit of a drinker and seen leaving a walmart buying alcohol so oh, i'd be okay. curious i mean i know they have not come out with anything whether it was foul play or i don't know, maybe she fell in wow. the trunk of the car rolled i mean i have no idea but that would be crazy she's got right? a husband for sure and i i think, I think kids, kids too, too. No, she does, so yeah. yeah that's just so sad so she there was surveillance of her buying the liquor yes and she went to an ATM and oh, got yeah. twenty dollars. Twenty out. bucks, probably beforehand. I don't know if it's before or, or vice after. Vice versa. I guess. And then she just needed money to buy the liquor. Yeah, that's crazy. And I wonder. You know, I didn't. Maybe I she met up with someone. Why, or how far was the? Or was she drunk? Did she? You know, but if she was in the trunk, obviously. But if it was a. SUV, they don't really have trunks. They have back seat. Who knows? Oh, that's true. A Chevy Tahoe. That's really I not had the trunk. a suburban. It's just the yeah, back. it's just the back. But who knows? Mm, doesn't sound like an accident. No. I'm sure it's not an there? accident. That's why I've been listening to this podcast called Surviving Evil. Okay. And it's interesting to hear what people do in life or death situations because you can't, you don't really have time to overthink it. Yeah. You just do what your first instinct is. And sure. sometimes it's to be quiet and not to say much. And the other time it's to try to talk them out of it or it's to make up a lie. Like I just heard one where these two women were attacked on um on a trail they were running but one of them had an injury so she was back pretty far okay so the perpetrator didn't realize it this woman wasn't alone okay and either way he had a knife and he was gonna do something and he was attacking them and the one woman was trying to think of anything she could make up and so she was saying well our husbands are on their way they're coming you know, that kind of thing. And you don't know, like, is that going to go one way where he's going to just kill you? Or is that gonna, <laughs> he's going to leave? Yeah. Or, I mean, you just don't know, but you just no. try what you can in the moment. Yeah, because you you don't know what led up to this crime. I mean, he could be yeah. a long-standing serial killer of a trail. Or That's true. The he trail. could just be the moment of passion and, and just having a bad day. And then yeah. maybe nothing will talk him. I don't know. You know, it's it's yeah. crazy. I don't know. But I, I, I'd be, if someone's found in a car in a canal... It always makes me obviously think foul play. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it usually don't... is not random. Most it's of the time, not, it's somebody no. that they know. So, not to point the finger at the husband, but well, he's we'll going to be the first one that they chat with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Sometimes you see those crimes with the husbands, and they talk to them, and they, 
you're like, there's no way he did it because I can see it in his eyes and you listen to him and, and then it comes out. I've never thought that. I've oh, always thought always it. Thinking, I always oh, think every guy's Maybe guilty. I just want to give the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I better start changing my tune up a little bit, obviously. <laughs> I guess <laughs> maybe just because I'm like... You've seen enough. You're yeah. like, oh yeah, he did it he for sure. Did it. I'm going to write a book on that one. <laughs> I wonder... I would like to do the um, Scott Peterson story. Oh, yeah. It's such a weird story. And it happened so long ago. Not that it's that long ago. But it was when I was pretty young. Like, I was like 20, you know, one or something like that. So, wait, when was... This was 15 years ago. Yeah. So, it couldn't have been that long ago. Well... Maybe I was 25. Something like that. Yeah, 25 or something. Well, it really young. There's so many stories out there that as I think back on... um, crime and you know what has happened near us that i'm always like i i want to look back and see what happened do you remember hearing a story near us where they found a person caught up in the suitcase yes i yeah. did i did it that was like story. thrown in kenosha i did that story did you do it yes. okay I, like, but i did heck? it on a podcast that i used to have okay i should maybe do that that one again on this one because yeah, it was really i things. no you're not going to believe this i have a friend who knew that killer and it is a crazy story. For so so for anybody who doesn't know this, I want to say I don't know if they called him the suitcase killer or, or what. what he wasn't him. a serial killer, as far as I know. He'd killed two women though. So this was a man who was into S and M, and he had met two separate women two separate times, young young women, and they had met him willingly. And he ended up killing them, like, in some, like, S&M type of situation. He uh, put their bodies in suitcases and then put the suitcases on the side of, I think it was Highway 43. Yeah. What is crazy about this is that I was doing this story for a podcast that I was a part of before. And while I was talking to some of my coworkers about it, it turned out that my coworker was an apartment manager at the apartment that she lived in that this guy lived in. This is really a crazy story, and it it's gets kind of creepy. It gets kind of gross, just to let you know. But she lived there with her boyfriend at the time. Now she's married to him, and this guy. And I apologize, I don't remember his name. He was this really tall, like used to be a cop. Now he was That's a. Right. At this he was time, a he was a a security guy, and he gave her the creeps for sure. And she said there was, at one point, she was in the basement doing laundry because it was an apartment building, and he came down there, and she said she was so scared, she dropped the laundry basket and ran. Oh, jeez. Well, here's the thing. So he had killed these women. There was a point where his entire car smelt like gasoline really, really bad, and my friend's husband was a mecha- is a mechanic. So he's like, do you, you know, I think that this is what's going on. It's just a quick fix. Do you want me... The guy refused for him to fix it. Well, they think now it was because he was keeping the bodies in, the in there or something? and he was maybe covering the smell with gasoline. Oh, you know. But here's where it's gross. I'm not that's that, pretty gross. Not that that with. wasn't gross. No, this is really gross though. She said that she got a call because she was the apartment manager that the tenant that lived either above or below that guy kept calling to complain that he, for some reason, no matter what he did, kept finding maggots in his like the drywall in the sink oh, in the his sink. sink like in the pipes oh oof and they kept trying to get rid of them and now they find out that he was a killer and that he most likely was keep like well, doing yeah, something the, with those bodies or whatever would, i don't know what I don't, <gasps> did he cut, do something to get them in the suitcase oh that's i so... want to say they were not dismembered but yeah, i haven't I looked remember. into that case in a long time i think they were just stuffed in there i just remember hearing about it you know just i Isn't remember the initial story where they found a body in a suitcase just on the side of the road yeah and it just it was uh, some workers they were like yeah. doing some and some here work on we the are the Is, say, i'm the same age you're a little bit younger yeah. than me i believe but no, I'm older than you. Oh, I, I mean, don't know. Oh. Well, you look younger. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, look on the side of the, you know, you're like, wow, that's my, uh, what the heck, you know? And like we said earlier, Wisconsin's just got themselves a lot of crazy people up there. So you get Maybe a little. Maybe it's the cold. I might be. Yeah. It could be. Isn't that a weird story, though? What are the chances weird. that I was researching that story and that my coworker knew him? That, it's a small world. I'm going to guess it was Wisconsin, but still. <laughs> wow. There's still a lot of people that live there, but yeah. that is crazy. Well, thanks for joining me. It was fun. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you for having me in your closet. In my closet. <laughs> Next time we can have some wine. Sounds right now good. It's the afternoon. Yeah, we got to go to the bus stop. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get into some true crime. All right. 
thanks for joining me, Jason. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into some true crime right now. I have a story that takes place in Hartford, Wisconsin. In Hartford? Mm-hmm. Really? Spent a lot of time in Hartford when I was a kid. Well, tell our listeners about it. I don't know. This is where my cousins grew up, so I spent a lot of time hanging out at their house. It's a nice community. It's a little bit smaller. There's a river, that, and the schools are good there, and I don't know. It's just like a normal, small little town. Well, prior to the story that I'm about to tell, there had only been two murders in 200 years. Oh, wow. So that's pretty crazy considering, I mean, I know it's a small town, but isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is kind of. Mm-hmm. You would think that there would be domestic disputes that ended up in a, in a death or something, but okay. Well, if you're not from Wisconsin, Wisconsin is absolutely beautiful in July. It's one of the best months. Although sometimes it can be very hot. Yeah, it's one of those places, like when we lived up in Minnesota, where you only get so many months of good weather. So it's like every weekend there's a festival or something going on. Mm -hmm. People start partying in like May. It's 50 degrees and you're like, all right, I don't need a jacket anymore. You go outside with your shirt and you start grilling out, start having drinks Mm -hmm. and it's 50. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is the best. So by July, it is full on. Yeah. And they pack a lot into every single weekend. Yeah. So on July 14th, 2013, there was a group of close-knit friends that were going to spend the night doing what they loved. They were all actors, and they were performing Fiddler on the Roof at a local theater. Afterwards, they planned on partying the night away and enjoying each other's company. What they weren't prepared for was that one of them would be found dead the next morning. This was a really unique group of friends. There was Kelly Krill and Jesse Blodgett, who were both actresses and musicians. They were also best friends. In their group of friends, there was also a guy named Ian, who was a songwriter, and he wrote poems. They had a girlfriend named Jacqueline, who was described as kind of the eccentric artist. And Dan was described as the funny, cool guy, who was also pretty charismatic. Oh, what's the ages of these people? They're in their late teens okay. slash early 20s. Okay. All out of high school, though. Okay. So they all just graduated, mm-hmm. and they're like the artsy group of people. They are, yep. And their love was for music, art, and theater. I can appreciate that. Maybe not the theater part, but yeah. So they were all performing in Fiddler on the Roof, and it was opening weekend, and they said that it was completely packed. Okay. They had just put on a really good performance. So at 9.30 p.m., they all decided to have a cast party at someone's house to celebrate. There was good food, music. Everyone was having a really good time. And there was the entire cast and crew and also the director. Most of the guests were in their late teens or in their 20s. But there was a new guy to town whose name was Randy, and he was in his mid-40s. So he was a little bit older. He was a dancer in the production. Okay. The director, Jerry, was also older, and he was at the party as well. And J- Jerry was kind of like a a bragger, you know, just kind of like a showy guy, and he'd always kind of <laughs> brag every chance he got. Okay. By 11.30, people started leaving the party because it was dwindling down, but it also started to heat up. The people that did stay started playing Never Have I Ever. Oh. Usually that leads to crazy stuff happening, You right? get pretty drunk playing that game when you're young. Yep. There was a lot of flirting going on between cast members. There was even a few kisses exchanged be- between people, and then someone else said that a couple people were sitting on each other's laps. I mean, they're all really good friends, plus they're, you know, all theater people, and you're probably just... Sounds like a great party, actually. We used to play that game. I remember the last time that I played it in like a big group, a bunch of us ended up going streaking. <laughs> no, you're thinking of Truth or Dare. No, it was we were playing Never Have I Ever. That's Never like, Have I Ever is a drinking game where you take a drink if you... Yeah, and someone said, Never Have I Ever Been Streaking. Oh. And then a bunch of us were like, oh, I've never been streaking. Well, I've never been streaking. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, some of the girls started feeling uncomfortable when the older cast members were getting too close to the girls half their age. Mm. So remember, there was the director, and then there was another guy and a couple other people that were like in their 40s. Yeah. 
Around 1 a.m., Jesse and Kelly decide that it's time to go home. Kelly dropped Jesse off at home and they planned on seeing each other the next day. Now, Jesse Bloggett and her mother, Joy, talked for a little bit before Jesse went to bed. Jesse confided in her mom that there was she felt uncomfortable at the party. She didn't go into detail, but she did ask her mom what it was with guys where they couldn't just be friends. Like, why can't they, why can't men just be friends with you? Sure. She didn't know who she was talking about, but it was just a conversation they were having and they decided that they weren't going to solve the issue before the sun came up. So they just, they just went to bed. Isn't that, and this will age me a little bit, wasn't that in Harry Met Sally? Like, he was just saying men and women cannot be friends. Mm-hmm. That eventually it devolves into well, one, one or of them the other. Have sex, then, yeah. Mm-hmm. The next morning, Joy, Jesse's mother, went up to check on her daughter before going to work. She didn't wake her up, but she just kind of peeked inside the bedroom. At 12.30 p.m., Joy returned for lunch. With no sign of Jesse being awake, she went upstairs to check on her, and she finds her in her bed, unresponsive, cold, and blue. Oh, no. Now, this is... You caught me crying yesterday. And it was because of this. It was because the 911 call was just heartbreaking. That's why you were crying? Yeah. It was, it's like you hear the mother calling 911, finding her daughter. Oh my God. And it just was. Like a parent's worst nightmare. Horrible, you know. And the mother was saying, no, no, no. And I mean, what a shock, you know. And then she says on the 911 call that she doesn't say her daughter's dead, but she says, She's blue, she's cold, you know, she's not moving, and then she says, I think there's strangulation marks on her. Mm, strangulation marks on her. Which would be such a shock. Oh, my God. So it wasn't strangulation like, um, you know, like fingerprints. It was like a, like a, a rope. rope. Oh, my God. How insane to talk to your daughter before she went to bed. And then come in the next morning and, I mean, it was just heartbreaking. Oh, it was yeah. really hard. Yeah. I just kept thinking about Bella and how something so insane could happen and what you would do as a mother. Detectives and EMTs arrived, but it was too late to, to do anything. Jesse's father, Buck, was called at work and given the horrible news. And when he got home, he wasn't allowed to go in her bedroom because it was a crime scene. He wasn't allowed to hold her or see her or anything like that. A guy named Sergeant Zawicki said that it was a horrible scene, just seeing a 19-year-old girl like that in her own home. When he was initially called to the scene, he thought that it was going to be a suicide or an overdose. And then, remember, I told you it was, there'd only been two homicides in 200 years there before this, so it was probably really shocking. Yeah. Detective Thickens talked to Jesse's mother, Joy. The night before, Jesse told her mother that there was older guys at the cast party and she felt uncomfortable, and that's why she left. She also talked about why she couldn't have guys as just friends. She and her mom talked for a while, decided they weren't going to be able to solve it, they went to bed. She gives him the whole story, and so they're thinking, okay, well, there were some guys that made her feel uncomfortable. That's probably where we should start is talking to some of these people that were at the party. They also found a journal of Jesse's. There was an entry for the night of the party. So she must have written in her journal before she went to bed. She said she felt uncomfortable at the party. And that just kind of solidified like, okay, let's see what happened at this party. Mm -hmm. Her friend Kelly said that a guy named Randy who was in his 40s had been flirting with Jesse all night long. And that's pretty much the guy who made her feel uncomfortable. It was also weird that Randy, he's the dancer guy. He had a long-term relationship with someone. Okay. So not only was he older and hitting on her all night, but he had a girlfriend. Right. So investigators were like, that seems strange. In the meantime, Jesse's friend Jacqueline happened to be driving by the Blodgett's home, and she saw all of the police cars, the Mm -hmm. tape, everything, and she's like, what is going on? So she started calling all of their friends. And all of their friends slowly but surely started meeting at the home outside. That's when Jesse's father, Buck, came downstairs to tell everybody what happened. Oh, man. And nobody could believe it. And this is like, you know those theater people in school? Like, these are good kids. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're not usually into drugs and, like, doing all this stuff. Like, how could this happen to just some, you know, she just looked so sweet, too. Oh, man. It's not like you're going to be mixed up with some weirdo, typically. Ian, Dan, Jacqueline, and Kelly all joined the family that night to grieve. Randy, the dancer, was brought in for an interview. It had been determined that Jesse was killed around 10 a.m., which what? is weird. Yeah, because wouldn't you picture it was like in the yeah, middle of the night? Yeah, at the night, yeah. No, it was around 10 a.m. When they started talking to him, he was supposed to be at work that morning, but for whatever reason, he didn't go in. And when investigators looked into it, he did have an alibi. Okay, so, so everything checked out for him. Yes. Okay. Investigators return to the journal. They want to see, you know, kind of go back further and see if there's anyone else that seems to stand out that could be a potential suspect. And one of her friends was mentioned multiple times. His name was Dan. Mm-hmm. He was described as the cool, funny, charismatic guy. Apparently, Dan had, it seemed like he had feelings for her. He, okay. At one point, he had tried to kiss her and she wanted to keep it plutonic. Okay. So they thought, mm, let's talk to this guy too. And they also wondered if he was the guy that Jesse was asking her mother about. Because remember, she asked her mom, why can't guys just be friends? Why do they always right. have to try to, right. you know. In her journal, Jesse also talked about the director. And I guess this guy had made multiple inappropriate comments, which for some reason does not surprise me. As investigators in Hartford were interviewing everyone that came in contact with Jessie before she died, another crime was being investigated in the town over, Richfield. Richfield? Just two days before Jessie was murdered, 12 miles from her home, a jogger had been attacked in the park. That's crazy. My parents live in Richfield. So this happened in 2013? Mm-hmm. She heard a noise. And she turned around and she saw a young man with a knife. Whoa. And he took her to the ground. He just like ran after her, took her to the ground, and somehow, by some miracle, she got the knife away from him. What? Yes. Her hand was like all cut up to it. Oh my God. There was all pictures. Oh my gosh. Crazy. So I don't know what he would have done if he would have stabbed her or what he was doing. I think it's fair to assume that he was going to kill her. But somehow she got it away and he took off. She was able to not only give a description of this guy, but also the description of his vehicle. He was driving a like a dark blue van. Oh, this guy's a super creep. What? He's even got the same van that the guy had from Silence of the Lambs. This is creepy. After this happened, law enforcement in Richfield were all talking about this sketch of this guy and the blue van. And one of the police officers remembered that he had actually seen that van before. Really? Purely out of coincidence, he was patrolling and he had seen that that van was at a park in Richfield multiple times. And so eventually he ended up looking up the license plate because it jogged his memory that he had looked up a like a van it wasn't suspicious or anything but it was just the fact that this van was at the park multiple times that this police officer even ran the license plate mm-hmm. but after the attack when the vehicle matched he decided i'm gonna go look in my history because they have a whole log of their license plate lookups and they were able to find the van and it belonged to an older couple but they had a teenage son oh and they thought okay Let's follow up on this guy. He's probably the attacker. Guess who it belonged to? Dan. Dan. Dan Bartelt. Dan was the friend who tried to kiss Jesse and who she wanted to keep her relationship platonic. Two days after Jesse's death, everyone gathered at Jesse's home to talk about Jesse and give stories, and it was a vigil. Dan was there as well. During the vigil, Dan received a phone call from detectives in Richfield wanting to ask him some questions about his van. I don't know if he was nervous or not, but he ended up leaving the vigil to go into interview about his van. They called him during the vigil? Oh, this is like a movie. That's crazy. Just think about that all unfolding at the same time. Yes, but here's the thing. At this moment, detectives weren't putting that the two crimes were related. They were just thinking... That this creep attacked this girl in the park and they wanted to talk to him about it. Oh, man. And then when they ask him, well, where were you? 
So he comes oh in. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And they ask him, where did you come from? And he said, I was at Jesse Bloggett's vigil. And they said, oh, the the girl who, who was murdered? And he said, yes. She's my friend. And then they're thinking, oh. hmm, that's kind of weird. So then they start asking him all these questions about the van and everything. After he says he even knows the girl who'd been murdered, Jesse, they ask, oh, well, what, what, you know, what happened to her? And he says, and he's like putting on this fake cry, she was raped and murdered. Oh, and they're like, what do you mean raped? Yes. How did you know she was raped? Yes. No one was talking about the fact that she actually had been raped. And, well, I have to be honest, when you said 10 a.m., that's immediately where my brain went, is that this went on overnight. She was raped, she suffered, and then she passed away. When he's asked about the van and the attack, surprisingly, he admits to it. Really? He just says straight up, like, yeah, I was the guy? Well, they, you know, they said, hey, we ha- we looked up your van. We know that you were involved. Tell us about that. And eventually he admits it. And they're like, why did you do it? And he says he doesn't know. And he kind of cr- cries. And he says he just wanted to scare her. And technically he didn't actually stab her or anything. So that's why I said, I don't know what his intent was. I mean, I'm assuming he wanted to sexually assault her and do something, but... Because she got the knife away, who knows what he was going to do. Or if that was his first time, if he'd been building up to that, if he'd done it before. He was arrested for the attack in the park. But the investigators have to make the phone call over to Hartford to let investigators over there know, hey, listen, we've got this guy for an attack and he knows more information than than he should mm. about Jesse's murder. Investigators then drive out. He's brought out in an orange jumpsuit, shackles, the whole thing. And the Hartford investigators want to talk to him. They ask him what his relationship was, what it was like with Jesse. Okay. And he's crying. And he's saying, I don't know. And they're like, well, were you guys boyfriend girlfriend were you just Mm -hmm. friends and he just kept saying he didn't know so they kind of took it at like it's because he probably wanted more and she didn't and so he didn't really know how to classify their relationship yeah that's the impression i'm getting he claimed that they were keeping their relationship quiet because he was dating someone else and didn't want to hurt the girl that he was dating but there was no evidence of that no evidence that he was dating another girl? Yes. When asked if his relationship with Jesse was physical, he said that they had never had sex. According to her journal, he'd tried to kiss her. Nothing had happened. Detectives didn't buy it. There was no proof of any kind of like physical relationship. And not only that, but he wasn't shedding any tears. Mm. He was making noises like he was crying, but he was not crying. Oh, this kid's a psycho. Remember, he's an actor too. Obviously not a good one. This guy. He says he doesn't know what happened to her and says that the morning of the murder, he was at a park and then he went home. Well, detectives were able to track down surveillance at the park that he said that he was at and he was there, but it wasn't until noon. So he had time to kill her and then go to the park. And investigators wondered, did he get rid of evidence at this park? Mm. So what they do is they go out there and they collect 25 big cans of garbage Mm. they bring it back to the police station and they search it they found a cereal box and in the cereal box was a ball gag and also ropes oh my god what they also found wipes with blood on them oh my god the coroner determined that the ropes were a match to the ligature marks around her neck. A search warrant allowed detectives to search Dan's house and van. They found a book about murder and strangulation in his van. They also took a laptop and they found that he'd been researching serial killers. One video showed a killer breaking into a woman's house, raping her, strangling her, and then taking her body over to the bathtub and washing her. Well, this was really creepy because Jesse's mother said that when she found Jesse, her hair was all wet. Oh my God. So he did it. He acted out that reenactment from the movie he watched. I'm so glad that 
I know you're going to get to it, but that they caught this guy. Because this guy probably would have turned into oh, a serial yeah. killer. Right, for sure. Wow, this kid is straight evil. When DNA came back, it did match both Jesse and Dan. So they did do all kinds of DNA testing and everything matched. I mean, this guy was not yeah, getting away with anything. I mean, if they had that feeling that she would have been raped, and I, that was the first mm-hmm. thought that came to my mind, they would have done the test and they would have linked yeah, the two those together. Those tests, they take a long time. All that stuff t- takes a lot longer than you think. You think it comes back like the next day, and it doesn't. Sometimes it takes weeks. July 31st, Dan was charged with first-degree murder. What did he plead? Not guilty. Friends wanted to know why he did this. Jessie told friends that while she was sleeping, there was a time where she actually woke up and she f- found Dan watching her. What? And it was creepy. So what would... I'm just trying to think. Okay, Imagine you're opposing counsel. Your job is to defend Dan. This evidence is so incriminating compared to some of the other stories that you've done. I don't know how the lawyer would get creative to try to build a defense for him. What, like temporary insanity? Is there anything else that you could think of? He'd have to pretend like he went black and didn't remember. But he's pleading not guilty. Usually you do those things That's true. That's true. But I mean, the book, the van knowing that he attacked this other girl in the town over. And I know those are two different things. The ball gag, the DNA. What are they going to say? That all the DNA would be on her because they were at the party together. Yeah, they could go with that they had sex earlier in the night. That it was consensual. I mean, that's usually what they do. They just make crap up. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and they they make the victims look bad, which is insane. What they think happened was that after the play... They had a cast party. At 12.30 p.m., Jessie went home, talked with her mom, and went to bed. Her mother went in to peek at her daughter before leaving for work the next morning, but didn't want to wake her up. At 10 a.m., Dan snuck into the house, went up the stairs into Jessie's room. He ties her up, rapes her, and strangles her. He then took her to the bathtub and cleaned her up, put her back into her bed, and then disposed of the evidence in the park. The motive, they think, is just because he was a creep and he wanted to do something weird. Maybe he wasn't getting the attention from her that he wanted or the relationship that he wanted. But because of the incident in the park, this was going to be something that he was going to continue. Jesse's friend Kelly says that one time Dan had put his arms around Jesse and she she had to physically fight him off of her. So he seemed like he was pretty controlling. And detectives say that he had demons that he was struggling with and that he definitely would have killed again. In October of 2014, the trial began. It only took two and a half hours, which is unheard of, to find a verdict. And of course, he was found guilty. At the sentencing, Dan said, These shackles and this jumpsuit doesn't make me guilty. And the judge said, No, you're right. The evidence makes you guilty. He had no remorse. He never admitted to killing his friend Jesse, and now there is a legacy pro- a legacy project in Jesse's name that raises money to end violence against women. So to this day, he still says that he's innocent. Mm-hmm. So he's just waiting to hopefully get a shorter sentence for good behavior and appeal. Yeah. Wow. I'm gonna have to look to see what this guy looks like. Yeah, he's he's a he's a real creep. So it's a really sad story. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad for those parents. And that was their only child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Thanks for joining me. Mm-hmm.